0: Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Some of you guys remember from my personal testimony that I was born in Adelaide. Um, I was the child of a Scotsman and a Dutch mum. And Paul, surprisingly, also has Dutch parents. And um, I was just a, a typical Aussie child. Like I went to an Australian school, it was called Dernacourt Primary School. Um, I knew the neighbours, I knew my friends around me and we all pretty much had very Australian behaviour. I would go down the street um, to this little cart that would come out and sell pasties. Have you guys ever seen the Australian pasty where you stick the tomato sauce in there and give it a decent squeeze and it fills the whole thing and, and then on other days there was this bread cart that would come out and it would give you like little um, bread rolls that had the pink icing on it with the coconut, you know the coconut, you still love that. I used to love being an Australian person. I used to love knowing where I came from, knowing the culture, knowing my friends. And to me, that was my normal. I'd never experienced anything else. So I thought that's how people do life on planet Earth. Until I was nine years old and I went to Holland. And I realised that a lot of people around there looked very much like me. European people. But there was a big difference. Suddenly, I would go up to the car and they would have a raw fish and they would just drop it down the hatch with onions. It's called a herring. That's how they eat it in Holland, right? Raw fish, open your mouth, you drop it in, right? No more bread rolls with icing on it. No more pasties where you would squeeze the tomato sauce in it. They were very different things. And there were some things that I got used to, like, for example, licorice. To this day, I really like licorice. It's a Dutch thing. Because when you give double salted licorice to Australian people... They'll turn their nose up to it. They don't like it. So I learnt to adjust and I learnt that there were very different ways of interacting with each other in a different culture. I learned that the way that I'd learnt to communicate in Australia was not really the way that people communicate with each other in Holland. It's very different. In Holland, when you talk to someone else, it tends to be very direct and there's a sense of um, integrity in the way they speak to each other, but it's very straightforward In Australia, some people might even consider that to be a bit rude because it's so direct. I will tell you how I feel, I will tell you how it is, and I will tell you the truth the way I see it. But in Holland, that's seen as an aspect of honesty and of truth, and the interaction with each other is very different. There's no subtle, let's just not hurt people's feelings. There's no beating around the bush. It's just that's the way it is and you deal with it, right? And I learnt to adjust culture-wise. Now, fast forward... When I became a Christian, when I was 20, 21, I had another culture shock, but it was a different one. I learned that kingdom values are very different from what you learn in the world. The way of thinking, the way of understanding the kingdom of God, the way we interact with each other, it's very different. When I grew up, pretty much every word we had was um, attached to a cuss word. Even stuff like plates, knives, forks, like there was always the B word in front of it. Get a plate. just I would have even thought that sometimes that was what it was called, B plate, but it wasn't. And I learned that there were things that were not appropriate in the kingdom that I had to unlearn. And some of it was very automatic. Like this might make you laugh, but if I bumped my toe, I would automatically use a certain word. And I had to learn that it was probably better to say chips or sugar (laughs) instead of what I was used to, right? And eventually it got to the point that, like, just it wasn't even associated with that. But in our church, they um, initiated a fast. And I found that what was behind that actually broke. So I went into a week of fasting. And after that week, there was no more automatic switching onto that. I found that through the fasting, my mind had actually transformed and it was no more automatic kind of that's what comes out or that's the first thought. It just, it just broke. And I've never had that continuous kind of cussing mindset ever again. My mind had changed, right? And tonight, I want to speak to you guys about adjusting to a kingdom culture and what that looks like, what the kingdom of God actually looks like. And what's expected from us as Christians or what we can partner with as Christians, yeah? Okay, so we're going to get into this. The kingdom of God, a new culture, new ways, new thoughts. When we look at at Luke, not this Luke, but Luke 11 verse 2, it says, "Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like this morning we were singing that, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that we can emanate that kingdom of God presence right now. We can partner up with that presence right now. Like that's what we're about, right? We are presence-focused people, focused on the presence of God as a reality right now. So what does he call us to? Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. It means that we could, but something else is expected from us. Do not conform to the pattern of the world but be renewed by the transformation of your mind. I would call it a cultural transformation of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, what are we called to? We're called to a culture of kindness. We're called to a culture of positive thoughts. And... I don't know what you guys have had as experiences as children or young adults, but when you run into a Christian, if, if it's something small, and they stand for that, you'll know it. I remember in third grade, like, I had a teacher. Her name was Joyce, and she stood for that. And even without her telling me, she told me years later that she was a Christian. It emanated from her life. She was full of joy, and she was full of peace, and she was full of, like, what I would call noble speech, excellent speech. Like there was kindness coming out of her in everything she did. Like that's what we call to. A culture of kindness where you start to emanate that kingdom of God culture all around you. Like, have you guys ever been in a room where you walk in and you think, hey, something feels weird. There's an atmosphere, right? An atmosphere where you think, I don't know what's going on, but something just feels a bit... Mm. Or a bit like, huh, you know how you walk in and you have that warm, fuzzy feeling? I don't know what it was, but I just immediately felt at home, right? It's an atmosphere. I've had times where I walked into shops and people responded to the presence of God and I wasn't even aware of what I was walking in. But people would stand behind the cash register. And Paul's been there when this happened. People would cry. I'd be like, are you are right." oh yeah you're just so kind and I was like it must be the presence of God it's definitely not me because all I've said is can I please have a hamburger or can I have a bag of fries I mean there's not a lot of kindness coming out of that right I've had people respond to the presence of God so much that they had a meltdown like behind the cash register they started telling me about their dad and their stepmom and how they grew up and you know, what food they eat at home and how they dress and how they want to be as kind as I am. And I'm not saying a word. They're responding to the presence of God and they don't know what they're doing. That's the kingdom of God. That's the atmosphere that we're called to walk in. We're called to walk in kindness and positivity and good thoughts. And you can all wrap it up with the word love. We're called to walk in love. We're called to emanate that to the people around us. Whether it's sitting in a taxi like Grant drives a taxi, right? I have so many good chats to people in, in Uber rides. Whether it's doing that or whether it's making soup for someone or whether it's sitting down and having a good coffee together, we can do everything to the glory of God, everything to honor him, and we can let that peace of God emanate out of our speech. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. It's Philippians 4, eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There are even translations that say whatever is noble. Imagine kind of considering everything you say and, and weighing it up and saying, Lord, is this actually noble speech? I reckon it would cut out a lot of what we actually say. Or is this actually lovely? Or is this goodness emanating towards the other person? God loves it when we do that. He actually wants us to submit everything we do and say and speak to his presence. He wants to have a say in it. I've had times where I spoke to the Holy Spirit and went like, Lord, I'm actually having the right attitude. I've met people, and I'm not talking about anyone here or any other church, like it's usually out on the street where you run into someone and you think their behavior is not that great, right? Until I ask the Holy Spirit, how do you see that person? And suddenly I'll see them through the eyes of Jesus and it completely changes what comes out of my mouth. Instead of being judgmental or harsh or closed off to them, I feel like he just wants to open the floodgates of heaven and he wants living water to flow out towards that person. And suddenly what comes out of my mouth actually emanates that peace and that goodness of God. And I'm able to prophesy over someone that honestly in the natural I probably wouldn't like them. I'd I'd find their behavior quite off putting, but in the Spirit of God, there's a change in my thinking, right? A transformation in our thinking. I remember one time listening to a sermon by a prophet that's um, part of the Bethel team. His name's Chris Fallaton, and he spoke about a culture of honor. And at first, when I thought, when I heard it, I thought, that's a bit different and out there and I'm not really grasping it but what he explained is that you can run into somebody that has behavior that is off-putting like that and yet you treat them not according to what they're doing but according to what God says them about them and what God says is that they're created in his image so you could start treating them according to the image of God and one of the names of God is awesome God you know how we used to sing that how God is an awesome God. He reigns on heaven and earth. I used to not know that that's his name. How God is an awesome God. In Hebrew, it actually says, Great and awesome God, El Gador. I think it's El Gador Yare, but don't nail me down on that one because I'm not sure about the ending. But yeah, it's one of his names. Our God is an awesome God. And because the image of God is inside of us and we're actually called to walk in that, we can treat everyone according to that awesomeness. I could say to anyone, you are awesome. The young parents here might know that Lego movie that says everything is awesome. Do you know the song? Everything is awesome. You could start treating everyone according to the everything is awesome mentality. No matter what they do, you're awesome. And when you start calling out that identity in other people, you'll find that they actually want to measure up to that because people love being treated with honour and respect. And they'll actually want to make that true. Most of the time, they'll actually want to live up to that because people want to be loved in general. There are very few people that really do not want to be loved. And that's for obvious reasons that you can even pray about, right? Sometimes there's a lot more behind that. But most people want to respond to a culture of honour and they'll love it. To treat people according to what you would like to be treated with. Christians have the voice of kindness and goodness and they can use that in politics. They can use it in the media. They can use it in the arts. They can use it anywhere. Who's heard of the recent album that Kanye West has come out with? A lot of people were in doubt about that, but I listened to it and I got goosebumps. There's one song on it that's called Sailor. And I actually heard another YouTube video where they said that was it a thousand people that responded to that? Yeah, two thousand people were saved by pretty much a newborn Christian that's been radically changed and transformed. And I saw people come out on a YouTube video that have not known to be a Christian. Like one of them is Sia, one of the biggest singers in the world. Like she's a songwriter, singer. She was up on the stage and she transformed one of her songs into a God song. That's impact. That's the voice of kindness and goodness and redemption that is spilling out of someone and influencing the world. And it gets me so excited because that is the start of a revival. I'm cheering it on. Like one person, and he's changing everything around him. And I think, okay, he's a old boy Christian, but go for it. Influence the people around you with that culture of honour and goodness. He wants us to train our brains. You know how sometimes you can, like, end up with stinking thinking? There are science programs that have been developed where they looked at how you can train your brain and they actually discovered that if you quit something for six weeks, you can actually reroute the neuron pathways in your brain. You can reroute your thinking and all the things that you used to walk in, like addictions or behaviours or um, common phrases that you used, you can actually reroute your brain to not do that anymore. Six weeks of retraining your brain. And I reckon when you do that submission to God, that he can even fast track that. Transform your mind out of all sorts of things that you used to walk in. I remember one time I got this scripture from the Holy Spirit that said, I will deliver you from all your fears. When I look back at like 25 years ago, the things that used to cause anxiety or worry in my heart, I'm not even fazed about them anymore. Like I've got one testimony, it's a long one, but I'll try to like cap it up a little bit. I was in a car in Adelaide and there was a locust plague that came over the car and I remember seeing um, newspaper articles that said the locusts are eating everything and they're causing destruction and it really terrified me because I didn't know what they were eating or what they were until there was a swarm over the car and I seriously thought that they were going to eat everything. The car, us, I didn't know. Like there was just thousands, like a whole swarm over the car, right? For years and years and years I had this anxiety when I saw grasshoppers. Anything that jumped on me? would kind of trigger that memory, right? And I read that verse that said, I will deliver you from all your fears, and I knew that the Holy Spirit was promising me something. And I still remember one day standing outside, looking at the grass, and I saw a grasshopper jump up, and it jumped on our meter that was, um, like, where you can read the numbers, jumped on it, and it did nothing. There was no more palpitations in my heart, no more anxiety, no more nothing. It was just absolute peace. And I thought somehow the Holy Spirit has transformed my mind and my thinking and the trauma that I had is gone. He's done some rerouting in my mind. He's transformed how I think about the things around me. Isn't that amazing? I'm pretty sure that everyone here has a testimony of something that used to be an issue and now it's not. assuming the best of others can be a real tricky one based on how you grew up the experiences that you had and yet you can retrain your brain to actually assume the best of other people you know I've had people come up to me and say oh I just want to let you know that when I said this or that it's actually I didn't mean it like this or that assuming that I was thinking the worst and I said I wasn't even thinking that that might be what you meant you know And they're like, oh, really? Oh, I thought you would have automatically thought that I meant the very, very worst. I'm like, no, I actually assumed that you meant the best and not the worst. You can actually do that with people. It's quite refreshing. When you assume the best of each other, when you believe the best of each other, when you speak goodness and life over each other, you actually create a very safe environment. I think good thoughts towards you. Isn't that great? When you think good thoughts towards each other, You don't assume that there might be malice or some wrong intent behind what they say. And if you struggle with that, you can actually retrain your brain to automatically assume the best, you know? And if you struggle with it, you can ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, transform my mind. I find it difficult to trust people. Transform my mind. Let me think different thoughts towards people when they approach me. Give me more trust. You know, he could deliver us from all our fears, right? Mm. I was working with a lady in um, a facility. She had advanced dementia. She was so sweet. She would go out to the table and grab a serviette and she would polish up all the, what she called the silverware, which was just metal knives and forks, but she would polish them up, put a napkin next to her and sometimes she would wear a little tiara And um, there were times where you would come up to her, and I don't know what history she had, but she would get very hostile. So there were moments where she was smiling and laughing and decorating the table, and other times you would come up to her and she'd be like, stay away from me, don't touch me, and she'd get really quite hostile. And I saw some nurses that would respond to that and go like, I'm not touching you, you know, I'll just go do my thing, right? But I noticed that... If I came up and she did that with me, like, why are you standing so close? Get away from me, right? And I would say, oh, wow, look how beautiful the day is. The sun's shining outside. Have you seen that? It's a beautiful day. She'd immediately snap out of it. I used to get such a kick out of that. Like, oh, wow, look what a beautiful day. Or look how you decorated the table. Isn't that lovely? And I would never respond back the way she did. And within seconds, she would forget that she actually had an issue. You know, I think a lot of people are like that. I'm not saying that a lot of people have advanced dementia. But a lot of people will actually snap out of what they are walking in if you treat them differently, right? There's a verse in Proverbs that says, A soft answer turns away wrath. Turns it away. I remember my kids, they used to get in trouble when they were the little boys. Um, they used to go out to this ditch behind our house. They lost so many boots and shoes and jackets just falling into the ditch because they were mucking around. And, um, I remember one time they came back in the street and they were like just really, really wet and they're going fast on their bicycles and the next door neighbour came out and I just read that verse And she exploded, you never look at anything and you're coming way too close to the cars and you could scrape all the paint off with your bicycles and she lost the plot, right? And I turned around and instead of saying, don't you scream at my kids like that, I said, I'm really sorry that they're impacting you with their behaviour. And the moment I said that, she changed her tone of voice. And she went like, oh, they're just kids, yeah completely changed her tone of voice from screaming and yelling and being blue in the face. Suddenly the soft answer turned away her wrath. And she said, oh, yeah, I just shouldn't shouldn't actually have screamed at them, should I, you know? And it made me smile because I thought there's the gospel manifesting in life where I'm actually seeing that come to life and seeing that in action, you know, soft answer turns away wrath. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You can do that. You can do that when it comes to your mind. You can do that when it comes to other people's motivations. You can actually call to God and ask him to show you if you're having the right attitude, if the right things are spilling out of you, if there's something that you need to know about the other person. And often he will show you. We all hear in the spirit very differently. When I say hear, I often mean see because I'll see it in the spirit, right? But we all hear differently. I've had a season in my life where if I felt God speak to me, it would be through a lyric in a song where suddenly I'd be speaking to someone and I'd hear this like da-da-da-da-da kind of like melody going on. I was like, I remember those lyrics oh, is that? Oh, yeah, there was a song that went like that. Oh, that actually applies to this situation. God was speaking through lyrics. There's other people that will read something in the Bible and it will jump at them. I call it a prompting in the spirit where you just know that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. It just jumps off the page at you and it comes alive. Or there's a gut feeling that you have that you just know that you know that you know that that's the truth, Right? We all see and hear in different ways. I often have an experience, because I am what they call a seer type person, I have an experience where I'm talking to the Holy Spirit and I'll ask him about something, and then he'll show me an aspect of himself, and it's almost like he's holding up a mirror. He'll show me his righteousness or his peace or his love, and I'll realize that I'm not actually walking in that depth of revelation. I'm like, wow, that's actually deeper peace than I knew was possible I didn't know that that is what I can walk in and he'll never say to me you're not measuring up or you're a sinner or you should do better or your love is not you know worthy he'll never say that but he always gives me this option of do you want to choose my way and I'm always like yes I do I want to do it God's way. And it's through a revelational engaging with the Holy Spirit that I come to different choices. But I realize that not everybody has that experience. Different ways of hearing things. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For the Spirit of God The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. He tells us his thoughts towards us are to prosper us. He actually wants to prosper us in our thinking. He wants to transform our minds so that we prosper. That's kingdom culture right there. Imagine coming to the aid of everyone around you with the motivation to prosper them. It's the heart of God. Everything I say is going to be to prosper you and your life. Everything I say is going to be for your benefit. That's the heart of God. That transforms the world around you. Everything I say has to be to edify you. And if it doesn't, I should keep my mouth shut. What I'm saying, does it actually motivate you? Does it draw you closer to God? Does it speak love and kindness into your heart? And if it doesn't, I shouldn't say it. You know? It's one of the biggest revelations I had in the spirit is that there's an off button. There's an off button on your television. There's an off button on your phone. And there's an off switch on your mouth. You know? You can zip it and not say it until your mind transforms. We do this prophetic training and we'll actually train people up to know the keys of speaking into somebody's life from the heart of God. And there's there's a, a number of keys, but one of them is, does it actually draw people close to God? Does it connect them to his heart and do they feel more loved? And if they don't, It's not God. That's a prophetic word. If it doesn't measure up to that, if it makes people feel condemned or undone or alienated from God, it's not him. It's as simple as that. Matthew 21, verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, you know how I had that earlier verse about transforming your mind? If you believe that God can transform your mind and you ask for that, he'll do it. He'll transform your mind. Lord, clean up my speech. Clean up how I think about the world. Clean up the things I look at. Speak through me. Edify the world around me. He'll do it. He wants to answer those prayers. That's like a successful prayer life right there. Now, how do you partner with the transformation of your mind? there's a couple of keys. One of them is one that I mentioned before. It's fasting. It's a fast track into breakthrough. Yeah, you fast and the things that you want to break in your life, they'll break, especially when it comes to transforming your mind. Now, another one is if you don't read the Bible, you'll never get to know God. The more you read that, the more you infuse your spirit with that reality and the more it will spill out of you because what you associate with will come out, right? It's like the verse that I just spoke about, a soft answer calls away wrath. It's like one of those tools in my belt that it's in my pocket, right? The more you read about God, the more you read about his heart, the more you'll be able to transform yourself according to that because it's weapons in your belt, you know? You just pull one out. I went through this school in Holland that was called um, a psalmody school where they taught you how to memorize scripture. And because we put melodies to it, I can still pull them up to this day. Now, I'm not a singer, so bear with me, right? But I remember, like, this is 25 years ago, right? From Zion, from Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth, he'll not be silent, silence to devours before him. Around him a tempest rages. He summons heavens above. It's 25 years ago and it's still stuck in my mind. I could pull it out. If you want weapons in your tool belt, grab your Bible and put it to any silly melody. Even if it's the ABC, you know, ABCDEFG. Pull it to a melody and it will stick in a part of your brain. 25 years later, you'll still know it. Melodies. Melodies. You know there's people that have profound stutters and the moment they start singing they actually um, bypass it and they don't stutter anymore because it's activating a different stu- part of your brain. Isn't that amazing? We used to have a worship leader that had a profound stutter and the moment he got behind the guitar and started singing you didn't even notice he had a stutter because it was do- using a different brain side and somehow it locks in your memory and it's like lock it in Eddie. Okay, so you pray, you read the Bible, and another one is you can decree. You can decree things over the people around you, over the atmosphere around you, and over yourself. The transformation. You can speak out who you are according to heavenly realities, heavenly culture. I am a precious woman or a man of great value and worth, because Jesus, the King of kings, died and paid a great price for me. I am a royal daughter or son, for I have a crown of glory and honor on my head, and I am wearing Jesus' royal robes of righteousness. God accepts and approves of me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is now no condemnation for me in Christ. Therefore, I accept myself and love who I am and the way I'm made. Father, I am who you say I am. I am called by God. I was chosen by God before the foundations of the world to be set apart for him. I'm God's child. I'm born again of the incorruptible seed of the living word of God that endures forever. Isn't that great? You can speak that over yourself. Decree truth. I can decree over the atmosphere around me. I decree the peace of God. Do you remember in the New Testament how it said when the disciples go out and they come to a house, they speak out peace? And if the peace of God is there, it will reside there. And if it's not, it will return to them. We can speak. We can decree over the atmosphere. I speak peace. Me and my house will serve the Lord. That's a decree right there. I stand on that. I want my mind to transform. I want to be a living, walking, talking testimony of the reality of God's kingdom. Hmm? Kingdom culture. I am blessed. I'm God's favourite. I am being changed into his image and he who began the good work in me will bring it to completion. I'm God's workmanship created in Christ for good works. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm complete in Him. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have the mind of Christ. I'm a joint heir with Christ, and He has qualified me to share in His inheritance. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, and Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm redeemed from the futile way of life inherited from the tradition of my forefathers. I'm purchased with the precious blood of Christ. I have been delivered from the control. And dominion of the devil, and have been translated into God's kingdom of love. Take that. Isn't that awesome? God's kingdom of love. I want to be an ambassador of that. An ambassador is somebody that represents a certain culture. I want to be an ambassador. I want people to come up and say, I don't know what it is, but even when she didn't open her mouth, there was just something about it. I could feel the peace. I could feel the love. I could hear a noble speech. I could hear excellence come out. I could feel a kindness about the way she spoke. You know, people will know. In the New Testament, it says that people got healed by the shadow of Paul. It's not even speaking it out. It was just that presence that emanated from him. Peter. I thought it was Paul. Apostle Paul. It's not it as Peter. Peter. The shadow of Peter. It healed people. I want to be like that. I want this shadow to heal people. (laughs) I want to emanate that kingdom culture to everyone around me. Be a walking ambassador of his presence. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. That blows me away. Who's seen the movie The Passion? Yeah, I found that so difficult to watch. It's, it's quite daunting, especially when you're a very visual person. It's really quite impacting. But there was one scene that gave me absolute goosebumps. It's the moment when he walked out of the grave and all you could see was the nail-pierced hand, resurrection life, and he came out of the grave. And I looked at it and I thought, that is inside of me, resurrection power, You know, the veil is torn. I have access to the Father at all times because of that sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? That's inside of me. I mean, you could preach never ending sermons about the redemption and the resurrection life that lives inside of us because of that offer. It just blows my mind. Kingdom culture. The immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power of God is on the inside of me. That's in Ephesians 1 verse 19. The immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power of God is inside of me. I want it to come out. I want rivers of living water to come out and flow to people and give them that drink that they need in the spirit. I want to be an overflowing vessel. I want to be like a glass of wine of the kingdom where people encounter the presence of God and go like, I don't know Jesus yet, but I saw something there through that person, through that ambassador of Christ. A living, walking, talking revelation of transformational power of the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay, so if you're with me on that one, I'd like you to stand and we're going to do a decree, a declaration over our brains. We're going to pray. So you can use both hands or one hand according to what's most comfortable for you. We're going to pray. On our heads. Simon says, put it on your heads. Yeah. Lord, we thank you that we are called to be ambassadors. We thank you that we are called to walk in a transformation of our minds. And Lord, we ask you to give us living revelations of what that looks like. We want to walk it and talk it and speak it. And we pray for rewiring of our brains. We pray that our speech and our hearts will line up with those truths that we'll see ourselves and the people around us according to those kingdom truths, with honour, with glory, with love, with kindness, with goodness, Lord. We pray that it will flow out of us. We pray for a total transformation of our minds and our hearts and our spirits in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for ongoing revelation to see people according to that revelation, that kindness In Jesus' name, amen. (gasps) So good, guys. I love prophesying over people because it shows the goodness in the heart that God has towards people. I've been in, in schools where they did exercises and they lined people up behind someone and they would ask them to take one or two steps to the left or the right and you wouldn't know who was behind you and it was such a kingdom thing because sometimes you would have someone behind you and think like, I never would have thought of that, but that was the heart of God and it taught me to prophesy straightly from the heart of God no matter what I see, you know. I could have someone in front of me and you just, you would never say it but you speak out God's truth and God's heart and you allow that person to grow into that identity. Speak life towards the people around you. I love it. I love speaking life to people. I love calling out the excellence of people. I love being an ambassador of the kingdom of God, speaking those truths, creating a culture of kindness around us. That's what we call to. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the kindness of God. You know, what spills out of us. That's what we call to, eh? What you all to start praying in tongues. I closed my eyes and I just looked in the Spirit and I looked over to Luke's side and it was almost like I was standing in what I would call a supernatural church. I saw just like aisles and aisles of young ones and this clear pathway in the middle that was all lit up with light and I just saw you walking through it. It was like standing in a harvest field and seeing the wheat on both sides and I feel like the Lord's like called you to take a really prominent place to speak to young people's lives and just bring in the harvest. It's awesome. Do you want to come up here? Let's pray for you. An evangelistic anointing to bring in the harvest. Whoa, to be an impact to the people around you. Lord, I pray for a transformation of vivas mind to be able to speak kingdom culture into the people around him, into the generation around him. And, Lord, let him go where we have not been able to go because of his age and his experiences. Let him go where we haven't been able to go yet. Let him be a kingdom influencer. Lord, I pray that he'll be able to unlock doors that previous generations have not been able to unlock. Jesus name keys of the kingdom to reach people in new ways with new wine (laughs) Lord I pray that you'll unlock a door of wisdom I'm saying it because I'm seeing a really old fashioned kind of almost like a castle door in the spirit unlock doors of wisdom, hidden treasures, Lord, and equip him with everything he needs to be equipped with to reach the next generation. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au